Some people call me the space cowboy Yeah Some call me the gangster of love Some people call me Maurice Cause I speak of the pompatists of love People talk about me, baby Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. It is a top of the charts Tuesday right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Horn. My man Patrick DJing a top of the charts Tuesday. We play jams that reach the top of the Billboard charts on this day in history. Um, you also can be a part of the show. Hit us up on the Specs text line, 512-337-3776. You also hit us up via Twitter. I'm at Rod Davis in the Twitterverse. My man Harge at Hardball Harge in the Twitterverse. And Patrick Davis at It's Patrick Davis in the Twitterverse. Um, all right, I want to get, get, get kind of a sneak peek looking ahead to the divisional games, but also any review of the uh, Super Wildcard weekend, now that it's officially done, the Cowboys have beaten the Bucks. Uh, anything that we may have missed uh, in our discussion yesterday, and of course, a lot of mm. folks missed the show yesterday because yeah. they were celebrating MLK Day. So uh, as they should, as they should have been. Glad the folks out there, but glad that we got a chance to do something that we love on MLK Day. Absolutely. Hopefully, that's what you got a chance to do—something that you love. But anyway, getting back to it, um, I thought, and one of the things I kept going back and looking, I did a kind of a quick uh, rewatch of a lot of these games before I deleted them from the DVR. And two keeps two stand out to me. There are two that stand out. Uh, the Giants beating Minnesota stand out mm-hmm. to me, and the Jags, of course, and their epic comeback uh, t- down twenty seven points to the Chargers. That stands out to me. And I noticed a couple of things that I want that I, that I want to get into because in that matchup, when the Jags were down after the four interceptions in the first half, down 27-0 and 27-7, I believe it was at halftime, yep. to to the Chargers, uh, you got to give Doug Peterson a ton of credit because Doug Peterson, slowly but surely, he started to make some adjustments. And one of my things in these playoffs is going to be, and I talk about this a lot with Sark, all right, uh, making the adjustments by the coaches. And I remember hearing, uh, I heard Peyton Manning actually brought this up recently that he think that he talks about one of the most overrated things is halftime adjustments. Right. And I believe from a player's perspective, he's probably right. I don't think from a coach's perspective that is probably the case. I think coaches are making a ton of halftime adjustments. You can see them when you look at the trends and the patterns. One thing Jacksonville was doing that was brilliant, um, or the Chargers did initially, and I should say the um, adjustment by Jacksonville was brilliant. The Chargers took away the slot receivers, which Christian Kirk and honestly CeeDee Lamb and the Cowboys have to worry about this too. No receiver has more receiving yards from the slot than CeeDee Lamb. Right. Kellen Moore done an amazing job of moving him around. Same thing. Motion. Exactly. Great point. Um, Same thing with Christian Kirk and Doug Peterson in that offense. Um, They usually move him around a ton to scheme him open. 15 of uh, Trevor Lawrence's 25 passing touchdowns are to slot receivers. That's the third most in the NFL behind Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. So in the slot, uh, Christian Kirk was targeted six times, only had one reception in the first half. They were essentially bracketing the slot receiver. Mm-hmm. And it was tough for Trevor Lawrence to get in the groove, taking away that slot receiver. He had a 24 
88.5 passer rating in the first half, only 10 completions for 77 yards. And at the end of the first half, Doug Peterson started to, and I think out of necessity as the mother of invention, um, out of necessity started to go up-tempo. They had to. Right. Um, the up-tempo disallowed the Chargers to be able to uh, get into their coverages and adjust their coverage calls. So they really couldn't disguise pre-snap. So they basically went into playing a lot more man coverage. Right. And they weren't bracketing that slot receiver. And that's when you started to see Christian Kirk and you started to see a lot of those receivers be able to get open because they were facing a lot more Wide man coverage. Wide open, too. Wide, Wide open. Because coverage busts. Yep, exactly. Because they were playing what we call tango, where one DB takes an inside cut, one DB takes an outside cut because they were in bunch formation all the time, condensed sets, and these guys were running wide open because there was miscommunications. <clears throat> so that really helped them out. So the Jaguars basically went three plays of no huddle in the first half, and they went 12 in the second half. They had zero explosive plays of 20-plus yards in the first half, and they had four in the second half. Three of those came on no huddle situations. So when they went up tempo, because they had to, they were down 27 points, man, they had to pick it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, they really did find a way, kind of, they found a, a hole, a loophole, if you will, with the Chargers defense and their adjustments. I don't know why the Chargers didn't have a better counter, but they didn't, and it really did help the Jazz get right back into that game. They they were stuck with the deer-in-the-headlights look because they weren't expecting it because you know as well as I do, a lot of times defensives, they let up when the team is up by that much, 27-7. to 7. You think that, okay, we're going to do this, but also I believe that the Chargers went away from running the football they did. again. So running the clock, you had a bunch of drops, you had incompletions, and you have to change the way you go about your business as well. But I do appreciate the fact of what you said about the how they got those guys open. And I said this yesterday, I will say it again. I got to give a lot of credit to what they were able to do with that team. Because Christian Kirk made fun of that signing at the very beginning. He we made all big, did. He made big plays in that game. Evan Ingram was a forgotten man. And now he's gone to Jacksonville and he's shown up there. And of course, Zay Jones... We've been trying to figure out where's Zay, where's Zay. Zay's in the end zone. Hmm. He had big game against the Cowboys, and he's continued to roll this entire season. So giving Doug Peterson that credit is is rightfully so, but you also got to look at Trevor Lawrence and what he was capable of doing. Being able to bounce back. You talked about Dak earlier. And now he, came, he was able to come back after that terrible performance in the Washington game. Awful performance. Mm-hmm. People were losing their mind. I mean, I'm one of them. I couldn't defend it anymore. Just like this first half, you're sitting there for Trevor Lawrence to be able to make that adjustment at halftime and come out and play that way because of the way that they went about mm-hmm. their business. Credit to him as well for staying the course and getting after it. Yeah, no, you're right about that. And you got to give, uh, you know, like I said, ton of credit to Trevor Lawrence. You're right. Just mentally, most Quarterbacks will be broken. Oh, man. They're literally broken at that time. Not forever, but That's at least why I for believe that in Brett Maher, the kicker. I think he's not broken, man. We're going to have to. The yips. Yeah, yeah you yeah. argue that's what yep. Trevor Lawrence had in the yep. first half with those four picks. Uh, but give credit to Doug Peterson for believing in his young quarterback. Um, and now they got still got a really tough task. they got to play the, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, we'll talk more about that later on this week. But another thing I liked about um, what Jacksonville did, that fourth and inches call by mm-hmm. Doug Peterson – was brilliant and listening to the post game. Um, essentially, they were target. Asante Samuel had three picks in that game. 
Um, Santi Samuel Jr., excuse me. Yep. Santi Samuel Jr. Uh, had uh, three picks in that game. I mean, he had the game of his life uh, in, in that game. Um, they actually targeted him in the running game on that fourth and inches call. That's why he went to the outside yep. instead of going up the middle and up the gut. Uh, that T formation they used with three backs in the backfield, uh, Only that's the sixth time that an offense has lined up with three players in the backfield on fourth down the entire season. The entire what? season. The entire I, season? All 32 teams, all uh, 17 games that they played, um, only six times, all, ga- all season long, has a team lined up with three players in the backfield, up like that T formation, if you will, on fourth down. Yeah. And half of those were Jacksonville. So uh, you had to be going deep into your film study to find it. But they had you done it before. Your bag. But you got to be deep, deep, deep into it. Yeah. And that's about you know breaking tendency uh, at the right time. And that's something Doug Peterson did a really good job of too. I, I don't think they'll be able to you know overcome the Kansas City Chiefs. But give Doug Peterson a lot of credit, man. That was a hell of a coaching upgrade for them in that game. Um, jumping into the uh, the Giants matchup versus. The the Minnesota Vikings and their win, my man uh, Patrick. Only he picked the the Giants to win, so I'll give him a ton Gee, of credit, man. <laughs> uh, but one thing I doing research about this matchup uh, that, um, or at least the the post uh, the post mortem, if you will, <laughs> of the matchup and the win by the Giants, man, it it's amazing to me, even more so of what they were able to do on offense. With the 26 first downs, I think on 68 plays for them yeah. overall, the wide receiving room for the Giants, it, it's, it's, a, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. By the way, they, they spend the third most money, if you look at it, they spend a ton of money on their wide receivers, the third most money spent on the wide receiving position overall. Um, but it's been a disaster. I was going to say, how many is it on that? That is on the IL. Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? It, 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 uh, IR. Oh, almost all. Of yeah. Them. Yep. Sterling Shepard. Yep. Uh, Colin Johnson. Wondell Robinson. Um, all Kadarius Tony. They traded him to the Kansas City Chiefs. And by the way, he's getting good yep. playing time and good reps there. He's a big part of and their they, success. They benched one of their big money wide receivers in Kenny Galladay yep. just because he wasn't being productive. And doing what they've done with Isaiah Hodgins and the rest of that crew is it's it's amazing. Yeah. I don't know how they've been able to do it, but that to me is probably the most mind blowing aspect, uh, second most mind blowing aspect of that offensive performance by the Giants, other than Danny Dimes. Well, yeah, for sure, Danny Dimes and what they were able to do. But I'm gonna look at what the defense was able to do. They took away Justin Jefferson in that game. Yes, he had seven receptions for 47 yards. But his long was 10 yards. Mm -hmm. And they said, you know who's going to beat us? Let TJ Hawkinson beat us. You know why? Because we can tackle him. We can get to him. I'm not going to let Justin Jefferson do his gritty on us today because we know that he's one of the most electric players in the NFL. Another thing, he made Kirk Cousins, who had a decent game, 31 of 39, 273 yards, and a passer rating of uh, 112, which is great for him. But – he mm-hmm. couldn't get to that big play, and you pointed this right. out yesterday. The play that people are going to be talking about for a long time, fourth and eight, and you throw a three-yard pass to end the game. That was crazy. That was, that was terrible. That was crazy. Because it went back. He reverted back to 
I'm going to throw the ball to my tight end who can't beat people at the line. I mean, we're not going to let Justin Jefferson. We're going to make it where he checks down, and then we will swarm to the ball and make the tackle. I thought the way that they did their mm-hmm. defense. I know you. I know the offense did well, and also a healthy Saquon Barkley is a more meaningful uh, part of that success as well. No, you're right about that's a great point about them deciding. No, you can have T.J. Hawkinson because he was he was wide yeah, open a and lot, he, and he was killing them for a minute. <laughs> yep. Uh, but they 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 were big plays, but they did not seem like they were explosive plays. No. And you're right, Justin Jefferson, that's a different level of explosivity. Yeah, those seven receptions for 47 yards, most of that damage was done. Late. Uh, yeah, and it was it seemed uh, insignificant. Right, right. He was part. frustrated. He was frustrated as hell on the sideline. Adoree Jackson shadowed Justin Jefferson, to your point, Harge. He shadowed Justin Jefferson, um, and that was a big part of their game plan. They did split, split field safeties, two deep safeties, and then they shadowed Justin Jefferson, um, and he only had seven yak yards total. Yeah, yeah. Seven. And that's yak not yards. like him. Yeah, yeah, he's normally in double digits for sure. So that was yeah. right. Wink Martindale, give him a ton of credit. He also, speaking of breaking tendency, you got to do in these big games, um, his blitz rate, only 15% in that game. Uh, it, it was in their first meeting earlier this season, it was at 51%. Yeah. So they assumed he was going to blitz a lot, play a lot of man-to-man. He did not. Played a lot of soft zone and really focused on taking away the big plays by Jefferson. Yep. And you're right. They, they, Hawkinson, hey. Yeah. Go like, ahead. Go Take get it. yours. Yeah. Get yours. And it seemed like it was yeah. working for yeah. the Vikings. But you're right. On the most pivotal play of the game, he went back to Hawkinson. Uh, and Hawkinson was not the right uh, guy on that plate. I don't like the play design on that one anyway. No, not at all. That was a bad play design. (laughs) Uh, Buffalo Bills. Let's get to the Buffalo Bills real quick and their win uh, over Miami. And I I saw a few things in this game that I want to get into. I I saw the Miami Dolphins a ton um, of zero coverage, and I'm sure you remember watching this. They they basically decided, you know what, it was not a bad game plan in retrospect. They decided since Josh Allen is already high risk, high re- high reward quarterback. They came into that game with twenty seven turnovers. You talked about Harge how you know basically Josh Allen gets a pass. Yep. Because sixteen interceptions and sixteen fumbles, including the playoff, which I totally agree he does. <laughs> and he's, even in that game, right? He had two interceptions. He had the fumble loss, so he still had a kind of a self destructive nature. But he is boom or bust. They decided basically to become a basically a riverboat gambler. The Dolphins were in that situation with their defensive coordinator. They went with a lot of zero coverage and they blitzed a ton. Yep. They had a fifty two percent blitz rate. Uh, on his uh, on Josh Allen's pass attempts, that was the highest for any team facing Josh Allen since 2020, and with what basically their counter to all of the zero coverage and the blitzes was to just beat them deep on man-to-man coverage on nine routes down the field, because Josh Allen had 11 deep passes. Um, which was the most he's had in the game this season. He was four of eleven on those passes, so basically they were just up. They were going all in and up in the ante. The yeah. Dolphins are going. You know what, man? He's already a high risk, high risk, high reward quarterback. If we allow him to sit sit back in the pocket, he's gonna eat us alive. We're gonna blitz everybody we can. We're gonna zero coverage on the back end, and that's our way of going all in, pushing all our chips in the middle. And the same thing happened with the Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen decided, all right, you know what? You're gonna blitz me and put out everybody and go zero coverage. I know my guy can beat your guy. Yeah. I'm going deep every time I can, and. 
He threw one interception throwing it deep, yep. but he got those four deep passes out of the 11 of 139 yards just enough to make the Dolphins pay for gambling a little bit too much. Well, the thing about it is, too, you go back and you look at the, the, the baseline for Miami. They threw the ball 45 times with Skylar Thompson. That's crazy. That is that is ridiculous. That's wild. Now, it's not – I can see where he was thinking about it, but correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Skylar Thompson run a little bit more when he was at um, K-State? Yes, he did. He didn't run at all. He didn't want to run at all, and I was like, that's your that's your game. I, but there might be something to the fact that they didn't have anybody else on the bench to play. Teddy was ready. He was active. He was going to be able to play if they got hurt, and I understand. I get it. Yeah. But, again – I, I agree. There be, is no tomorrow. No, no, I agree with you on that. And you were I, I, that close to winning the ball game. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree with you. I think there could be something to be said that they were just like, look, we cannot have another quarterback go down, so we're not going to run it. But I'm with you. Like last night in the Cowboys game, Mike, run the ball. Yeah. Just run, run the ball. Run, run the ball. The dang you ball. have to. I like. I know it sucks to get hit, but, man, it's the playoffs. I'm like, that's exactly hit. right. Make some moves. But to your point, I, I love the fact of what you saw with uh, with Buffalo Bills. You're right. Josh Allen, high risk, high reward. I thought for sure that Josh Allen was going to be somebody that was going to run a lot as well because mm. he he used to run. Yeah. And whenever he saw that man-to-man, when everybody would turn their back, that's when he would get his big plays. But they were stopping him at the line of scrimmage and not letting him out of there. That was a good game plan on the defensive side of the ball. There were some missed opportunities. And think about it. You brought it up, Rod. He had three fumbles in that game. And lost one of them. Josh Allen fumbled the ball three times in that game, along with the two interceptions. I mean, you're right. High risk, high reward. It's a beautiful thing, but sometimes he scares you. Yeah, they can knock you out, though. I mean, they are, yeah. they are, they kind of, honestly, they're Mike Tyson to me, right? They, they can knock you out with some real haymakers. Uh, but if you can avoid the first couple of rounds, yeah. Um, Mike Tyson, as we all know, he wasn't as formidable. No. After that first and the second round, he kind of lost some of his potency, and that's the Bills. If you can get them into the second half and make it a game, yeah. Skylar Thompson and the Miami Dolphins, they can play with you. Yeah. It's, one of, it's one of them. With the, cause they're, they're very, if they didn't get a delay of the game, it might have been something exactly. else. Yeah. If, he had, yeah. if Mike McDaniels has a play ready for on fourth and one. Yeah. And that was on Mike McDaniels. That's one hundred percent. They end up with the left game. He that thought was, he thought that they gave him the first down, but oh. right then, you when you see them say no, no, it's not a first down. Skylar Thompson should be telling them too. Yeah, we're short. We're short. We're short. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, he. Yeah, he. I agree with that. And they were close. They were real every, close. Almost every snap, they exactly. seemed to be right there by the play. Like it was on zero every and time. And I thought that was part of their play design. I thought you, that you was right. part no, no. of their you, time you're probably and element. Right. You're probably right. Yes, yeah. so, to waste right to keep them off keep the field. Keep them off the field. You're probably right we're about that. We're gonna snap it at one second every single time because. I don't trust you that much, and I want to keep us in this game because we'll pop something here and there. Yeah, it, it did. Worked. They stayed in it. Yep. Um, but much like Mike Tyson, they are self-destructive exactly. as well, the Bills are. So uh, you got to watch them. Oh, one thing the Bills did that was really cool, though, schematically, they used 10 personnel, one back, zero mm-hmm. uh, tight ends on four snaps versus the Dolphins. They had only done that seven times the entire season um, as an offense. 
Two of those ended up on third down receptions uh, for 15 plus yards. So it's it's small little things, man. But that's what that's what coaching is all yep. about. Um, uh, the only thing about the Bengals and the Ravens that uh, I thought was interesting was, um, you know, coming out of out of that. Uh, that game, the post game, John Harbaugh said that he thought his quarterback uh, was just improvising and that he was instructed to go low. He decided to go high. Um, so that was probably only the big turning point in the game after Sam Hubbard returned that 98 yard uh, touch, 98 yard fumble for a touchdown. Yeah. They now are potentially going to be missing three offensive linemen. Yep. Going forward yep. in this game versus the Bills. That is. It is concerning, but I know Jeff, Joe Burrow's done magical things without pass protection uh, in his, his short time in the NFL. Even last year, getting to the NFL as the most sacked quarterback. But man, that and Buffalo, you know, yeah, they bring the house to you every single Buffalo time. Buffalo can, yeah, they can get after they, you. Man. They come to the, they come to the party and they brings the ruckus to the yeah. ladies. <laughs> uh, that would be a concern. Yeah. And in, 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 I know you, you're on the Bengals. I am. I know you're on the Bengals. I know you yeah. are. Yeah, I, I, I'm very, very much so. But the one thing that really concerns me is the Bengals in that game only ran the ball 18 times. And I know I sound like a broken record, but when you got Joe Mixon and you have Samaj P. Ryan, but I guess the reason, but your quarterback's getting sacked four times for twenty six mm-hmm. yards of, of of lost yards. You have to be able to offset some of that. You have to. Fight. I know that. I know that the offensive line is banged up, but you, sometimes you just got to go line up man against man and say, "Dude, we have to get at least three yards here. We have to get at least four yards here." I know it sounds easier, but Joe Mixon is a is a damn good back. He's one of the best in the league as far as that is concerned, but. You can't. You can, he can't stand back there and think he's going to be able to just throw the entire game against them. Oh, it's yeah. going to be a tough go against them, yeah, especially without proper what your with pot, pass proper protect. protection. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt about. it. I'm with you on that. Um, okay, uh, we're going to talk a lot about the 49ers, so we'll table their conversation about them beating Seattle. We'll talk a lot about the 49ers all week long. One quick question. Uh, about the Ravens and their uh, loss um, overall to the to the Bengals and the future of the Ravens. And to both of you guys, before we get to Harsh Knock Life, do we believe that Lamar Jackson is going to get signed to a long-term deal with the Ravens? Me personally, I believe so. Okay. I think they got a chance to really realize that there was an opportunity there. And I know he's hurt. I think that they're going to – I don't know. When you consider a long-term deal, are you talking what? Oh yeah, whatever. He, I mean, the, a long term deal, so th- like four, three, four years. I would say, I would say four years. I would yeah. say four to five yeah, years. Whatever they decide. Yeah, yeah. But I think a lot of that has to do with Harbaugh too. How much longer do you think Harbaugh wants to coach? Well, Harbaugh is pretty young for a coach, isn't he? Yeah, That's but he's he, been around. He's, he's been, been around there around. for a long. time. I think time. the Ravens want to be like the Steelers and just have one coach to one well, just coach. Like the, and they one don't. Coach. Yeah, yeah, they don't go through a coach every yeah. five years. Like, yeah, no, we, he wins, we hire a coach too. every fifteen or twenty years. That's what we do. Because we hire the right guy. Yeah. Um, okay, Patrick, what are your thoughts? Oh, they'll franchise tag him. There's no deal getting done this year, this offseason. So, I, I don't think I, I'd say ooh. it's like a 15% chance. So that's going to upset him even more. Then yeah, I, wouldn't, I, I, just, I, wouldn't I, I, I just don't think the Ravens are going to offer him anywhere close to what he wants. Does it get done eventually? Not this offseason. So Not this offseason. It's going to be does he show up week one and play on the go, franchise tag? He's going to go into to next season upset and a no, little. No, that's the question is does he play on the franchise tag or, or that? But I, I mean, I just assume that you're going to go into the offseason. And they're going to come back in and go, well, you didn't even show up for the playoffs, so we're going to offer you this with two years guaranteed 
and you're going to have to do this. We want to own your rights for seven years, but we, you two are guaranteed. And just one of those crazy deals to try and negotiate. And Lamar's like, no, we're so far off of what we wanted. Yeah, that needs to be like a three-way trade between Chicago, Baltimore, and some other team. You know what I mean? Like, oh, Atlanta. I feel oh, like go to Atlanta. Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, exactly. Right? There you go. Like, just th- three teams and then get Justin Fields somewhere where he needs to be. I need Justin Fields somewhere else because I, right? I I think this kid has a lot of talent. What if you put Justin Fields in Baltimore? Exactly. You run the system. But you, still, but you still have to, what you call it? You still have to get wide receivers. That was the problem. That's that true. was the problem over in, in, in Baltimore. Remember, y'all kept saying, we, we all talked about, you got to, yes, you but, but yeah. you have to you have to now. Yeah, because yeah. that is your biggest weak yeah. link. Okay. You, just well, gotta, you, hey, you have a draft devoted to If you trade Lamar Jackson, you're going to get some picks. Yeah, You are, definitely. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you're like, going to get some picks. I don't know, a three-way trade, which just seems like it makes perfect sense. You're right, Atlanta might not be a bad idea. Hey, they, wanted, they went all in on for Deshaun Watson. That's what I'm mm-hmm. saying. They want a quarterback. I like that. I like the way yeah. you think. Uh, what you got on Horse Talk Life? Deshaun Watson, that's another story. That's what you got for Horse Talk Life? No, no, no. I said that's another <laughs> story. Like, no. Yeah. I'm going to talk about my Cowboys. <laughs> I'm going to give some flowers where flowers are due, but I'm also going to give some funeral arrangements for one Tom Brady. Oh, oh, yeah. oh. What you, you said it's over. Uh, it's you said over. it's over? It's over. What, oh. I, what I saw yesterday against a team like that really made it obvious because that dude looked like he was distressed. That fat lady is warming Ooh, up, she huh? is, she is singing <laughs> in the opera throat. right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll come back. Harsh Knock Live right here on Ball Don't Lie, 104.9 The Horn. Ladies and gentlemen, guys and dolls, the main event of the evening for your entertainment and pleasure. Mike, you have to be so combative. Now, I probably wouldn't say this in front of white folks. But in front of y'all, I'm gonna speak my mind. He has emotional anger issue problem. Hey, are you Dirty Mike and the boys? I'm Mike Lowry. Michael! Oh, that's funny. Michael! Welcome back to a Top of the Charts Tuesday, uh, Cowboys Victory Tuesday as well. Uh, it's your boy Harbaugh Hard. You can follow me on Twitter at Harbaugh Hard. You can follow my man Rod Babers at Rod Babers. And you can follow my man Patrick Davis at It's Patrick Davis. We also love it when you're a part of the show and hit us up on the Specs text line 512-337-3776. So I want to get into this. I'm going to give the flowers first, and then I'll give my eulogy. So the flowers are deserved by the Dallas Cowboys in this in this realm of achievement because there were so many things that we talked about yesterday. Tom Brady, which by the way, Tom Brady is now 2 and 17 against the spread in the last 19 games that start at 8 p.m. Just so y'all know, remember I told y'all that yesterday. Mm-hmm. I was excited about Shout that out. one. I wanted to make sure I brought that out there. <laughs> but to my guy, Rain Dakota Prescott I talked about him having this big opportunity to get back on track. The Cowboys were 0 and 8 in the playoff road games. They were 7 and I mean Brady was 7 and 0 against the Cowboys. Tonight last night they broke the streak. He also broke the streak of interceptions. There were so many things that were going on the line and I know uh as a Cowboy fan and I've been a Cowboy fan since I came out. My very first helmet was a Dallas Cowboy football helmet. That was probably I thought it was probably the same one Roger Staubach and them used back in the day, but it was one of them foam ones. So it still could be one of them. <laughs> it still could be one of them. But when you look at what the Cowboys were able to accomplish and how they went about their way uh, this past weekend, it was I mean last night it was very important. And one of the things that was very important was Tyron Smith. Tyron Smith figured things out at the <laughs> offensive at, at right tackle, something that he had to adjust to play because. He understood what was happening with the development of Tyler Smith and what Jason Peters was bringing in as well. 
He allowed just three pressures last in the last three games, and that's 129 pass block snaps. That's courtesy of Pro Football Focus. Uh, Tyler Smith and Tyron Smith and Zach Martin all combined up to give up just one pressure last night to Dak Prescott. Now, we can talk about that offensive line and why they were able to do so, but I think a lot of that had to do with the game plan. So, Chan, my man, I am giving love to Kellen Moore and Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott for coming up with a game plan that looked like something that Rod had pointed out when the Cowboys were first, fourth, and sixth in Mm -hmm. offense with that crew together. That is something that is very vital for them. But the complimentary part about it is, that defense was out there balling out of control as well. Rod, you pointed out the fact that you expected them to ball out. That's okay because we've seen them not ball out. We've seen we've seen Gardner Minshew go out there and slice them up. We saw Sam Howell go out there and slice them up. I will say, we, Lane Vanderish came back. His he's about to get his flowers okay. as well. I'll just say that um, the Cowboys were able to go out there and on their first two possessions against the Bucks, they didn't go very well. We all know that. But the next possessions, seven plays, 65 yards. 15 plays, 90 yards. All oh, these are touchdowns, by the way. 11 plays, 96 yards. Eight plays, 81 yards. Touchdown. Dak Prescott, Kellen Moore, and Mike McCarthy all in sync. They were mm-hmm. able to put together the perfect game plan against a team that their defense isn't the weak link of their team. It's their offense that's the weak link for Tampa Bay. Yep. They were able to go out there. Dak was 25 of 35, I mean 25 of 32, 305 yards, four touchdowns, one rushing, and he was the fourth player. You mentioned that, Rod, but the thing about it, he was the first Cowboy to ever have that stat line in the playoffs. Wow. So that, to me, is very impressive in the way that he went about it and the way he was able to move the ball around. I want to also give you a next-gen stat. And, you know, I'm all over the place with some of these stats, but mm-hmm. the next-gen stat said he earned a, a season-high grade of 94. Uh, most games with the 94 passing passing score since t- 2021. Since 2021, there's only a few people that have done that. Obviously, you can figure out who they are. Patrick Mahomes, he's done it seven times. Mm-hmm. Josh Allen, he's done it five times. Dak Prescott? Done it six times. Okay. Six times. So he's right mm-hmm. in the middle of watching um, Patrick Mahomes, who's probably going to go down in history, chasing, he's chasing the goat. He's chasing, he's the, chasing the goat. But he's, he's that special type of player. And you're looking at Josh Allen, who is a high-risk, high-reward type of player. He's an alien, so he's, <laughs> he's what? He's an alien. Yeah, he is different. That's his physical skill yeah, set. Yeah, he's, he's a freak, he, man. He's definitely a freak. So then I also want to go over to – the defensive side of the ball. We talked about Deron Bland and what he's been able to do, and the best part about him is he was underrated coming in. He was a guy that we weren't expecting a lot. Remember, the Cowboys were thinking more about boss man fats, Kelvin Joseph, Mm -hmm. to be the guy that was going to be opposite. But Deron Bland got his opportunity and made the most of it. I think he he leads the Cowboys in interceptions this year and making plays. And then we talked about J. Ron Kirsch. But I also need to give a bunch of flowers to, I can't believe I'm doing this, Leighton Vander Esch. Do it, man. Do Leighton it. Vander Do Esch. It. I underappreciated you until this year. I think last two seasons you have proven me wrong. Hmm. I doubted it. The, the wolf, the wolf, oh, 
That was what they that's what they call him. <laughs> I'm I apologize to him. LVE has been more the one of the most important pieces on that defensive side of the ball. More mm-hmm. than Trayvon Diggs, more than J. Ron Curse, more than um Micah Parsons. And the reason why I say more than Micah Parsons is because he gets everybody lined up in the right place. When he wasn't there, Michael was still a beast, but you could see some of the out of control situations. Mm-hmm. But he, he he lines up everybody, and you saw the improvement last night. The Cowboys almost they should have shut them out. They let they let up in a lot of I those games, that. and they moved some people around and got some other playing time. Mm-hmm. The Cowboys should have shut them out last night. It should have been twenty eight nothing at halftime if my man would have made his extra points. Ooh. I didn't want to throw that out there, but I had to. Come on, now. but I do want to give a shout out to. Tyler Smith, I apologize to you as well. And I know it's just one game, guys. It's one playoff win, and there's still a lot of work that needs to be done with the Dallas Cowboys. But I, I'm very critical of them, so I need to be honest when I see good things happen with them. And what they did last night was outstanding. Most importantly, I want to give Zach Martin a shout-out as well. Oh, Zach yeah. Martin is an all-pro. Goes without saying. And he, and he has been recognized as one every single year since he's been in the NFL. Whether he's a first team, whether he's a second team, he's still an all-pro. And, Rod, you know, mm-hmm. and we talked about this, we've talked about it on air and we talked about it off air, when you're an all-pro, that means you are really doing something. The best of the best. It's not the Pro Bowl. It's not the MLB All-Star game. Mm-hmm. It ain't the NBA where it's a popularity contest. It's not that. You are at an elite level when you are named All-Pro in the NFL, when you start thinking about all the talent that is in the NFL. Yep. So kudos to them, but we do know that they have a huge, huge task ahead of them, but we're going to enjoy it right now. We're going to enjoy the moment right Me now. Me too, man. And, and say, hey, congratulations, Cowboys fan. Laugh it up, have fun, because my phone was real quiet this morning from all them haters that was hitting me up all week and all season. Hey, it was real quiet, but I was glad to see it. But our, mm-hmm. our girl Rocky, she hit me up. She said, Hard, you're going to have to wear that same outfit next week or this weekend. You know why? Because I'm superstitious. So I will have on the same <laughs> gear this weekend. I will have it on. So when you see the pictures, don't think it's I'm Photoshopping. I'm hey. really getting it in like that. Hey. I, I need all hands on deck against them San Francisco 49ers. I was going to say, you're going to need all the mojo. I hey. need every bit of it. I'll tell you, Hard, you've come a long way from this. Smith! Oh, a long way. Wow. I, I have. The receipts. The receipts. Well hey. done there, Patrick. We pulled out the receipts <laughs> on them. Wow. Oh, yeah. That caught me off guard. I was like, wait, what else? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Tyler Smith. I forgot all about a, that. Yeah. I forgot all about you. Yeah, I was not, yeah, I was not happy about there. the oh, big time temper tantrum. That was I live in front of people. <laughs> exactly. Right? Yeah, that was that pluckers. Wow. That was that pluckers. We was that pluckers. Okay. Um, but now to the other side of this. My man Tom Brady, you took us on a roller coaster. You've had a great career. You have done things that most can only hope to achieve. But, Rod, you and I have talked about this before. As an athlete, when the word retirement creeps into your mind and you verbalize it and you walk away and then you try to come back, Mm. it's never the same. It is hard. Yes, you've had great games. Yes, 
you put up big numbers. Yes, you put up more, you've thrown for more passes than you ever have in your career, back to back years. But we saw failure this year. You made the playoffs because your division mm. was awful. awful. You should you should have went out on your own last year. I know the competitive juices get you, but you put it out there. I am retiring. It's time for me to walk away. I need to spend time with my family. So not only did you go out here and get your head kicked in, <laughs> you lost your wife, mm. your kids, mm. your mojo, mm. and people are now, they saw you on the field looking terrible last night. Nation, you threw 66 passes in a game, bro. It was terrible. Like how do you how do you come back from that? And you never had an opportunity. You never had a chance. And ESPN did a great job. And I want to bring these stats. Since 2010, including the playoffs, Tom Brady with Rob Gronkowski, Mm -hmm. they played 163 games together. Tom Brady was 127 and 36, a winning percentage of uh, of 77. Quarterback rating of 74, completion percentage of 65.7%, yards per completion, I mean, 7.7. TD to interception ratio, 3.9. That was 365 touchdowns to 93. Without Ron Grabkowski, he's had 72 games without him. 48 and 24, 67%, 60% QBR. 62% 62% completion rating and 2.6 touchdown to interception. Hmm. Rob Gronkowski in Tampa with Tom Brady. They went 25 and 9. Tom Brady without Rob Gronkowski played 22 games. He went 12 and 10. Come on, dog. Sometimes you just like lie. just like when you leave hmm. and you're getting that divorce. You got a divorce from Rob Gronkowski, too, and it changed your life, and you became mortal. Congratulations on a great career. I know people are thinking that he might try to come back. That's going to be really hard for him at 40. He will be 46 at the time, I believe, during the season. That's going to be a tough run, bro. I'm not going to doubt Tom Brady. So I think he's going to come back again. Because hey, now he doesn't have a family or anything. <laughs> yeah. If Tom Brady calls your team and says, I want a job, are you telling him no? I, think I don't so. think there's a lot. Of, I think there's plenty of teams that would tell him yes, yes. I will tell yes. you two teams that would take him right now. One of them you still might be looking at, Miami. Because yeah. remember, he wanted to go there in the first place. Mm-hmm. And the second one, wherever Sean Payton ends up. And the last one, I think for sure – you need to look at the Raiders. Oh, the Raiders 100% would take him. 100%. I think one of the issues is they say he wants to stay close to his kids at least, and they're on the East Coast. Man, listen. I, I know. If you wanted to stay that close, you should have retired. <laughs> <laughs> you had your opportunity. I want to be close, but not that close. <laughs> you know, like, hey, I want to be around them kids, but I don't want to live with yeah. them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah, I, I feel that. I don't yeah. even got kids, and I feel that. <laughs> It's like, yeah, I want to be around my kids. I don't want to be with them every day. I get yelled at that for that all the time. <laughs> exactly. Do you even want to be around us? 
I mean, yeah. Don't ask me that. Don't ask me that. Don't put me on the spot like that. <laughs> I, be around you. I don't want to be around your laundry, and yeah. I don't want to be making y'all food. No, I love my kids. They fun. Tom Brady wants they to be able to visit his kids yeah. and then yeah. leave. <laughs> Tom Brady wants to meet his kids at the movies. Exactly. There you go. There you go. That's, that's what Tom Brady wants. That is, that, that is, that is, that is. <laughs> See? Man, how it's like you got him. That <laughs> is, that is you are a baby daddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. We'll come back. We'll get it to Off the Record and on the other side, right? <laughs> here about the wonderful that the hook dd mega doo-doo i'm sorry mangudu once it's turned on the sign will spell out deli cat essen well, well i don't get they bring the egg comb congratulations continue good sex in the good sex in the big east thank you jimmy and boom goes the dynamite it's time for another edition of off the record. Do it live. I can. I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. Time for uh, another edition of Off the Record. Have you gentlemen seen, and of course you have. If you haven't, then this will be a much bigger discussion. Uh, you've seen the movie Titanic before? Yes, sir. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Not in one sitting, but I've seen all of it. Uh, yeah, I can say that. It's, it's very yeah. long. I mean, yeah. it's like, yes, yeah, three I plus I move hours. around a lot. Yeah, yeah, I get that. No, yeah. no, I totally understand that. But, of course, everybody's seen it by now. So, uh, yeah. spoilers. I'm sorry about this. Spoilers, it, it sinks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> based on a true story. Uh, yeah. um, okay, uh, so James Cameron, who directed the movie, has always been asked about what is considered the most controversial scene in the movie. Um, where Jack actually uh, dies because he can't get on to the floating raft, makeshift raft uh, that um, the the other Rose's character is on. So she's like uh, in the middle of the water and she's on what appeared to be a door. But James Cameron said, uh, basically, they're doing a I have no idea. They're doing a Titanic special. Um, they're actually reintroducing uh, the movie into theaters, a remastered version of it. What? Yeah, I have no idea why they're doing that. I mean, who wants to go see Titanic in the movies? But maybe you do, and if you do, good for you. Yeah. Um, but in the National Geographic documentary about the remastering of the movie 25 years later, they they talk about this scene. Apparently, they investigated the scene. It was so damn popular. Uh, or at least it was so talked about and controversial. A new investigation uh, that they've done, says Cameron, uh, will settle the fan-based question about Jack and Rose and a piece of floating debris, which everyone calls a door. He said it's technically not a door. He explained it's a piece of wood paneling from the first-class cabin. He would know. Yeah. Uh, he said the highly discussed fan theory, a forensic investigation into whether Jack could have survived with Rose on the makeshift raft or whatever the floating debris was. And they've actually come up with a theory as to whether Jack could have survived or whether Rose was just being selfish and wouldn't allow Jack on the piece of debris that she was on. Um what are your thoughts, gentlemen? Do you remember this scene? I remember the yeah, scene. Yeah, yeah. And apparently they do say Rose was selfish because there's plenty of room on the piece of floating debris that Jack could have just, you know, latched on and floated for a little while until they could have found some help. She lived. So like, why couldn't Jack have a chance to live? You know why? Why? Because she had somebody else she was going to make sure that she went and hung out with. <laughs> Jack, you got to go, dog. Jack, you got to go. Uh, <laughs> Hey, it was fun while it lasted. Oh, yeah. Now get out of here. <laughs> she was engaged to another dude yes. on the boat. Now, he was an a-hole. Right. Was that Billy Zane? 
Yes. yes. Billy Zane. She and was Jack still in love. Up. And he was in the first class. Yeah, right. and it's Billy Zane with hair, which looks weird the whole time now yeah. when you see it. When you yeah. see it, you're like, why does he have hair? I don't yeah. like this. <laughs> yeah. That is true. Actually, I didn't think about that, but you're right. He does have hair there. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, that is kind of weird. But uh, apparently they're going to settle this dispute. Uh, Kate, Kate Winslet was asked about it. She said um, that she believed, she admitted that she believed Jack could have survived. There you go. On the door. Yeah. But uh, you know have what? You I, ever, have you ever tried doing a pool? Get onto a pool float from the water. Uh-huh. It's not easy. I, I don't get in a lot of water, but I'm I just can saying, imagine. like you know, when there's like a pool yeah, float, yeah. And you're like, let me just get on this. It is very hard to go from the water, and that's with the bottom of a pool where you can put your very feet true. down and get up on. You can't just climb up on something without it moving. That's like you're gonna point. dump it. He's dumping her in the water. He's got you sacrificing and then he's like, both. He's, yeah, they're both in. Like I can't. I was getting away. So you, so you basically said he could have uh, basically sacrificed both of them if he had tried to get on. So he was just doing the unselfish thing, saying, no, yeah. Rose, you got a way to live. Go live. I'm going to die here, and it's okay. I, like, and as I long get, as you live. I get Leo's not a fat life. man. As a fat man, I'd be like, look, I'd rather die than the embarrassment <laughs> of me trying to get my fat butt up on this board right now. Like, just keep falling back in the water. Snot oh coming God. out my nose. Was, oh, baby, I'm going to get it. Get it. I don't want that. Just just let me die in peace. <laughs> you are you're a wild. gentleman. You're a yeah. true, just, that's he said let me die in peace. That's, you're, you're a gentleman. You're, that's a shiver right there. And don't forget, she did have that big diamond. The, the whole yeah, she thing throws was, it in the water theater. Which, which I got to admit, that really upset me oh, about that man, damn if movie. I was if I was an ascendant of her, I was like, oh, cool. I, you Thank know I got you. student loans? Come yeah. on. Come that, on. That thing was worth like, I don't know, like $80 million oh, or whatever. Brock Lovett was pissed when he watched that movie back oh, later. Yeah. She threw it in the water? She threw it in the water. Oh, so I this really is all in right here. Splacow. See ya. What'd you, I mean, I'm with Patrick, though. Don't you got some kids and some grandkids or something you can pass it down? She did. She wanted no memories. Man, she no. wanted no memories. I don't know. I've oh. just, I Get just, away from me, Jack. I'm not a fan of Old Rose, man. Old Rose was just a liar. You know what I mean? She, yeah. she just lied to those people. She lied to those people and told them about all that stuff and they could find the diamond and she had the diamond the whole time. Yeah, so she was, like, we know she's a liar. These people. So they spent millions of dollars trying to find the damn thing and she had it the whole we time. We know she's a liar because she said Billy Zane had hair. Billy Zane never had hair. It's <laughs> <laughs> a lie. All right. That's enough of a breakdown of uh, Titanic, but there you go. Uh, apparently the most controversial scene apparently will be uh, solved and broken down I a little bit it. later on. All right. We come back. We'll get into Cowboys beating the Bucks on the other side right here on Ball Don't Line, 149 Horn.